season one of Written in Stone, the 1990s is supported by Tension Climbing, wooden training tools designed with purpose in Denver, Colorado. Use the code STONE, that's S-T-O-N-E, to get 10% off of your next purchase at tensionclimbing.com and to let them know that their support for this show matters. Not valid for tension board sets, hardware, or gift cards. Cannot be combined with other offers. Tensionclimbing.com. Mastery over success. Nineteen eighty-seven, Camelback Mountain, Arizona. The Central Arizona Bouldering Contest has changed their name to the Phoenix Bouldering Contest, and for the first time, has attracted some big names. As everyone expected, Ron Kalk wins for the men. How could he not? But at the top of the women's list is a name that won't leave that top spot for some time. Thirteen years in total, actually. Bobby Bensman. But that's just one competition. And if you look at indoor competition results from that moment forward, it's the same story. North American Open, Snowbird, Utah, August, 1989. Winners, Jim Carn and Bobby Benzman. Seattle Open, October, 1989. Jim Carn and Bobby Benzman. Seattle Rockmaster, 1990. Jim Carn and Bobby Benzman. United States Championship, 1990, Dale Goddard, Bobby Benzman, ASCF National Championship 1991, Hans Florine and Bobby Benzman, Snowbird Sport Climbing Championship 91, Kurt Smith and Bobby Benzman, ASCF National Championship 1994, Scott Franklin and Bobby Benzman. Dozens more like this, all wins. And if we looked at podiums in general, we'd be here all day. And if you've ever seen the cover of Climbing Magazine from November of 1996, you understand why. It's a black and white image because no color was required to convey the raw strength and pure power, her shoulders looking like an anatomy lesson and her head thrown back, eyes closed, mouth open, and a scream that can only come from a moment of absolute effort. And of course, because while her accomplishments can speak for themselves, Bobby lucky for all of us, just isn't one to keep her mouth shut. (laughs) Bobby, welcome to Written in Stone. Wow, thanks for having me. God, you did your history. That's insane. I I love it. I love it. I, I have, I've known a lot of that for a long time because I've devoured the magazines and the history and the goings ons, you know, since way before I met you. But I was I was actually thinking about you not too long ago, right around Christmas time, uh, because I went through my sock drawer and I realized that I had darn tough socks that Kurt Smith gave me like 15 years ago in the New River Gorge. And they're all still in great shape. And I had smart wool socks that I'd gotten in the last couple years that already had holes in them. So I actually threw out all of the other brands except for darn tough and i ordered 10 or 12 pairs of darn tough you know they've got that lifetime guarantee so i never have to think about socks again unless they just look cool and then i'm buying darn tough 
And I thought you would appreciate that since you're the you're the number one darn tough sales rep. Oh my God, that's awesome. So yeah, when we see <laughs> each other, I'll give you a little care package. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. And I would actually just love to see you again soon. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, well, I'm going to come to Lander for the festival. All right. Yeah, we'll be here for sure. Yeah, so. I'm so excited. Awesome. Um, Before we fully jump into this, I have two questions for you. One related to the topic, the other totally not related. So first, do you remember the first time we met? It was a very brief meeting, but I remember it crystal clear. Well, okay. I definitely shared a cabin with you for the 24 hours of the horseshoe. Okay. So, all right. You're going to have to tell me. It was at OR. And I was at, I think, the Rock and Ice booth, and I had just done this rap for the folks at the booth that uses uses your name and a bunch of other climbers' names um, to tell us a kidnapping story. And you were walking by, and I think Jeff Jackson was like, Bobby, come here, you have to hear this, and he made me do it again for you. Oh and my that was god, the first I, time we ever met. That's so funny. I remember that. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you still have that rap? I have an a cappella version of it. And I think I'm actually gonna give it to the patrons of this podcast after this episode. Uh, just because it's got so many cool historical names. That would be awesome. Yeah. Okay, next. Like you said, we shared a cabin at Horseshoe Hell and I, so I know firsthand that you are a fierce competitor. And I mean both fierce and competitor in the full sense of both words, not just a competition climber, but you're a fierce and competitive human. But nobody becomes that fierce without a rival of some sort. And Lynn had Catherine Destevel and Jibé Trabou and then Isabelle Petitier. So who were your rivals women men indoor competitions or whatever oh my god allison osius mm. alio i actually i just watched painted spider yesterday um, because i remembered that you and allison had a super final in painted spider i think that was 91 in in california and berkeley at a national championship and you win the super final that was one of the first moments that I was like, wow, this woman is badass. So yeah, Allie O, she and I, like we went neck to neck for years, but we had an yeah. absolutely intense competitive relationship, but we loved each other. And so yeah. sometimes I would like win maybe three times in a row. Um, and then I'd get a box of chocolate in the mail from Allie O. <laughs> like she just wanted me to get fat so she could beat me on the next one (laughs) like just hilarious so you know we would definitely go back and forth i'd win then she'd win um but we trained a lot together too Mm. which was really cool yeah i love that that's one of the one of the things i appreciated about that segment in painted spider was that after you win there's an interview with the two of you standing there talking back and forth and you can really see the friendship, you know, and when it's clear that you've won, the camera switches to Allison and she's smiling and happy about it. Um, And I I love seeing that. Just such an amazing relationship. 
and we did it for 21 years. Wow, that's incredible. So yeah, it was a yeah, it was a long. We did a lot of competitions together and a lot of training together. Um, but yeah, I'd say Alio was definitely my biggest competitor. What was competing like in those early days, like the late 80s, early 90s? Let's talk a little about what that scene was like. Um, it was stressful. It was intense. Like, you know, we mm. were all just coming on to it. Most of us, well, we all had outdoor climbing um, as our own, you know, we didn't have indoor gyms then. So, right. um, I mean, I think the fir- I think I'd been climbing for 10 years before the very first climbing gym um, came into fruition, which was Cats in Boulder, and then the front in Salt Lake City. And I'd always go mm-hmm. between Salt Lake and Boulder. Um, so, you know, it, it, be, it was hard to train for them at the very beginning. Um, in fact, the yeah. Phoenix Bouldering Contest, 13 years in a row of outdoor bouldering. So that competition yeah. was always outside. Um, but I think that the competition scene was really good. It was really competitive. Um, the route setters were amazing. Um, Jeff Lowe, Jim Waugh, all the people that mm-hmm. put these things together. I mean, just huge respect because now it's look where we are in 2024. It's come a long way. We're in the Olympics. Jesus. I know. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, totally incredible. Were all of the other women and competitors as supportive as Allison was? What, or were there some like, we're at each other's throats a little bit? Um, I'm looking at the list because you gave me like some of the women that, you know, it wasn't, no, we weren't really at each other's throats. I mean, I remember uh, Shelly and I also competed a lot together. Shelly mm-hmm. Presson, now Dunbar. Um, I remember a really gnarly experience um, at Hunter Mountain. It was a national climbing competition at the ski area um, in New York. And we were all in isolation and Shelly went out first. And back then, you know, we could hear what was going on. You could tell how people were doing the audience. Right, right. You could hear the competitor, you know. Um, I remember Shelly went out and I was next in line. I was tied into the rope, the whole bit. And she took a horrendous fall. Like, Mm. I think she went upside down. She was screaming, crying, like, lower me, lower me. Oh, my God. And Shelly and I were so close, and I love her so deeply that, my God, I could barely – I was so rattled when I came out. I can't even remember if I made the finals. It was just, you know. So there was definitely a lot of love between all of us. Um, We all wanted to do our very best, but we were always really supportive, you know. And Shelly and I – Alio, um, Robin, Len, you know, we all competed in World Cups together and national climbing competitions as well. So, yeah. you know, Robin and I actually had a funny thing at Snowbird. She had won her first World Cup. It was Leeds in the UK. Mm, yeah. And Christian Griffith and Antoine Le Ministrel route set for a competition on the side of the snowbird wall. And it was a national climbing competition. I think you had, everybody had to go to it to make the U S climbing team. Got it. And Robin had just come fresh win off Leeds world cup. Um, anyway, somehow when it was my turn to go, I, I won, I got the highest of everybody. 
And I just remember like, oh my God, you know, and then that was the last time that ever happened. It was totally a fluke, but I just remember, <laughs> oh my God, I beat Robin. And, and I mean, I, I'm friends and climb with Robin to this day and she's definitely in a whole nother league, but that was my one little claim to fame. <laughs> oh, I think there were a lot more claims to fame than that, but that is a, that is a special story. You know, Robin and Lynn were were definitely the two Americans who seemed like they were on, you know, like there, like there were you and Allison and Shelly and Mia who oh, were yeah. on this level higher than everyone else. But then there was this other level that seemed like Lynn and Robin had somehow reached that we didn't even know existed. Yeah. What was Lynn like in competition? Because, you know, knowing Lynn outside of that she's kind of fun and silly and you know katie brown and i talked about lynn earlier this season and i think we described her as goofy and what was she like in competition um well you've seen lynn right you've seen her eyes they are fierce right yeah very focused those blue eyes she gets those from her mom her Mm. mom even has more intense eyes than she does Wow. So those those eyes, right? They're just piercing, and uh, at co- and competition. So we did uh, a lot of. I mean, I'd come over to Europe and do a lot of World Cups. Lynn was living. She bought a really cool old place in the south of France. So she was yep. living in Europe, and a lot of us from the U.S. would travel overseas for the competitions. So you know, yeah, in isolation, um, you know, Lynn was really fun. She would hug everybody, but very focused, like mm. you know her way or the highway kind of thing. Like, you know, the, the, and she, when it comes to climbing, she's like that to this day. I mean, yeah, outside yeah. of climbing. Yeah. She might be funny and goofy and crack us all up and be obnoxious like Lenny can be, but <laughs> Oh my God. And competitions. And when she's ready to climb, you know, like, you know, pull that rope to, I want to belay now, you know? So she's definitely intense and she's, you know, a Capricorn. Yeah. She just had her birthday. So yeah, you don't want to mess with that astrological sign. Believe me. <laughs> that's that's interesting. The first time I ever climbed near Lynn was in the New River Gorge. And um, it was kind of when I first started like getting popular for the rapping about climbing that I was doing. And I was there at the New River Gorge to perform. And I'm sitting at the crag, I'm putting my shoes on and up walks, uh, Russ Clune and Lynn Hill. And I'm starstruck, you know, and, but they know who I am because they've heard the songs recently. And they're like, are you O-Dub? And I'm like, what world am I living in that, that these people know my name, you know, and watching her, the difference between her and Russ uh, when it was time to pull onto the wall was pretty marked. Like Russ continued the, the fun and silliness. Um, and Lynn immediately when she stepped on the wall was in the zone. It was remarkable to watch. Yeah. And she's still like that today. The same. Was there a moment back then when you realized that Lynn was kind of on this other level that she had found this other place? Um, Yeah, that probably happened in 1980, 1981, if you can believe Mm. that we're we're going back. Way back, yeah. And um, I was a young climber in the Phoenix, Arizona area, 
And I, you know, in 1980, you know, there weren't that many women climbing hard at all, but I kept hearing right. about this woman in Los Angeles that was climbing 512. And I mean, we didn't even have hardly any 512s at that time. And I just, yeah. re- and I, and then the craziest thing about it was that she's 5'1", right? right, right. And here I am <laughs> at 5'3", five, 5'4", five, back then. Yeah. Like, You're tall. oh my God, I, I'm, <laughs> like, I got to shut up. People are like, oh my God, that root in Joshua tree, Lynn Hill did that. And I'm like, oh mm. my God. Yeah. That was the first time we really kind of had to stop using the reach card. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. She's, she's broken like so many paradigms that we, we all used as excuses you know, until someone says, well, Lynn Hill onsided this. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. I mean, you know about the thing she just did um, late last year. Um, yeah, with on Sasha. The yeah. I mean, yeah. she did it in a day, 13 plus, three pitches, yeah. two pitches of hard five thirteen, And she went and freed all the pitches one at a time and then went back and as in the nose style, sent it from the ground. I mean, we're talking, you know, a couple months ago. She's still on yeah. fire. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. Uh, Jibé Tribu famously said that no woman would onsite 13B or send 14A. And then Lynn famously did both right in his face, you know. And in 1996, you did Kurt Smith's Slice of Life in Rifle, which had stood at 14A since 1992 when Kurt first did it. And Someone suggested a downgrade immediately after you did it. And when I was thinking about that and when I was preparing for this episode and this season in general, it occurred to me that that sort of seemed like these men in rifle trying to keep Trabu's prophecy true, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was, it was one person, but let me just tell Mm. you, that was, you know, years before that, I experienced that with John Sherman. And wake oh, up. with better eat your Wheaties. Oh yeah, he was said no woman would ever climb B nine, and when I did it, it got downrated that night. It went all the way through the Waco campgrounds, and yeah, he downrated. So I'm I've always had this happen. So you know when it happened on um, and this happened years before Slice of Life. Yeah. So um, you know when that happened, it was kind of like really again. Yeah. So, but um, you know it's you know it did get downrated. And to 13D, mm-hmm. and then no one did it. It went completely uh, cobwebbed for years. Some people would try it here and there, and they were like, you know, if I'm going to climb a 13D, I'd like to do like a 13D. This thing is way nails. Yeah. So people would never do it. Yeah. And uh, about a year ago, they uh, actually uprated it back to 14A, and it's been gang banged all last year. Oh, did they really? Yeah, because, and it had nothing to do with holds breaking or anything. It's just that, you know, it's really a 14A and it always has been. And better eat your Wheaties, B9, ask anybody. Definitely. You know, so I just think that it got um, uprated. And there's a guy that climbs pretty strong. He's a doctor here in the Denver area. And he came up to me and he was said to me, hey, did you hear that slice got uprated? And I said, no, I hadn't heard because... I just, it it had just happened. And he was like, yeah, it's about time because for years, no one would do it because if it was so hard for 13 D 
that if somebody wanted to do a 13D, they'd pick a proper 13D. This thing was like a hard 14A. So um, anyway, they upgraded, and now people are psyched. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we got another 14A in the Wicked Cave. That's cool. Did so, it, yeah, that's... Did it feel validating to you that it got upgraded, or at that point, did it even matter? It kind of didn't really matter because, you know, being a woman, you know, starting out climbing in the 80s, I mean, this kind of shit happened all the time. Yeah. I mean, it still happens. Yeah. You know, people, women will do, I mean, Katie Brown stuff. I mean, we've all had our shit downrated. Sure, sure. So it was kind of nice to know that, um, for me, I was just happy to know people were doing the route again. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've climbed in rifle all the, um, the last few years and no one was ever on that route. And that, and isn't that weird that once it got uprated, that it became popular? It's definitely, whether we want it to be or not, there's definitely a, a number chasing um, component to all of us. Like, I want to climb a harder grade. You know, of course I do. Right. But then when you when you get on something that feels like, oh, I'm putting in effort at a level that's far greater than the number I get for it, uh, it definitely starts to mess with your head and you you want to find something that doesn't require quite as much effort and you still get the the same number. Right. Yeah. That's... Even, even those of us who want to continuously challenge ourselves and try not to pay attention to the grade, I think we get trapped in that. Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, I think it's normal. Why do you think it was that that men were so insistent that women couldn't do these things. I mean, I, we, we had already seen that, that women were continuing to improve and continuing to climb harder and harder things and climb things that men already thought they couldn't do. So what do you think it is about that male ego that wants to put a cap on what other people can do? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to definitely say there are some key male climbers out there mm. that act, that act in this way. Majority of them don't like all the podiums yeah. that I shared with the men that you brought up in all the world and the national championships, like yep. the Kurt Smith's, the Scott Franklin's, the Jim Carnes that I would be yeah. first place. They'd be first place. Those were like, not those guys. Those are guys cool. that we would all climb together. They would see all the women around them trying hard. We all tried hard together. And, yeah. but I just think there were a few key people, you know, like Don Welsh, he's the one that downrated slice. John Sherman, mm. same thing. I don't know how those guys feel today, but I mean, I would assume that they know now that women will surpass men in this sport. We will be climbing harder than men. And I think women that are aging and older will climb harder than some of the aging and older male climbers out there as well. It's our sport mm, now. I love it. <laughs> I mean, climbing, you know, 14D for women. I mean, that's insane. There's so many, there's yeah. so many women we've never even heard of that are climbing that hard. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the nose when it was done in the mid nineties, was definitely this like catalyst moment of this isn't Lynn just doing a first female ascent. This isn't her doing something that someone said no woman could ever do. This was her doing something that men thought might be impossible. 
And, and it was a long time before a man was able to repeat what she had done. Um, do you have any memories of first hearing that she had done it and then done it in a day? And what did you think of it when you heard it? Well, so I've known Lynn since I was 16, right? Yeah. So uh, over 40 years. And I've always followed her career. We've always been friends since the very beginning, the first time I ever met her in Joshua Tree. Um, so I knew exactly what was going on. I mean, I knew who her belayers were. I knew who the um, mm. the, peop- the camera people were behind it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I remember the whole thing. You know, it's not I wasn't there there, but I was there. Yeah. And I assume you were rooting for her from afar. Oh, my God. Like in <laughs> awe, major awe. I mean, and not only just like her climbing, like you remember all those pictures? Of her, yeah, God, (laughs) yeah, just like a a bronze goddess, like she did all those pitches (laughs) in the sun. Yeah, it was like so tan and muscular, and just the, yeah, she was insane, like uh, next level for sure. I mean, you know, the most famous rock climber in the world for sure. Yeah, no, no question. Do you think like I've only known Lynn since way after the no? So, do you think it? changed her at all did it was there anything about lynn that changed when she suddenly like became this mega superstar that was on david letterman and you know doing all these things (laughs) beyond any other climbers i mean i'm it definitely changed her like i mean it must have given her so much confidence Mm. to just like you know and i think she really wanted other people to be able to repeat it too um, but I, it was, I love the slogan. It goes boys. Yeah. And that's such so awesome. And I definitely think that, you know, she went on after the nose to just con- continue to climb hard and inspire all of us. Mm-hmm. And we'll never forget that ascent. No, no way. And it's Lenny style. You know, she went up, she freed each pitch, made it to the summit, hiked down, and then I think it was the next year that she went and did it from the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just totally inspiring. And kind of like, you know, we never did that back then necessarily. Like that, right. doing it in that ground up like that, that was also a little bit on the newish side. Yeah. She was definitely pushing the limits and the barriers in lots of different directions. And almost anyone else would have been satisfied with, oh, I, I just freed the nose. And they could have just rested on that. But for a year, she stewed over it and trained and was like, I can do it in better style. I can do it faster. I can do this whole thing in a day free. And she drastically undergraded the changing corners pitch. She called it 13B at the time. And now everyone considers it 14A. That's a a total flip of no woman can climb 514 She's going to call it 13B, and then later men are going to say, no way, this is 514 for sure. Well, and then look at all the people she inspired after that to do ground-up yeah. free ascents of El Cap. Yeah. Right? I mean, she definitely was cutting edge. Yeah, that's incredible. You're still climbing. You're still crushing. You know, you mentioned Lynn just doing uh, some 13-plus pitches on this thing on the Maiden but you've got a pretty impressive tally of 513s. How many have you done now? 260. 260. I'm trying to get to 100 this year. Where are you at? 
I'm at like 87 or 88 or something. That's rad. I really didn't start sport climbing until pretty late. And then I spent a lot of years bouldering in there. So I'm trying to shore up my, my sport climbing, but it definitely inspires me to look at your number continue to grow. That's awesome. Yeah. I try to do a 513 every year. Yeah. And I've done a done one for 40 years every year, at least one, if not more. So yeah, my work is pretty intense. So this year I didn't get as many 513s as I normally do, but I'm really uh, hoping a lot for 2024. Yeah. Well, when you come to Lander, are you going to be here for a while? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I want to, I want to come for the festival and then, yeah, you're going to take us to some of those new limestone areas. Let's go do the 513s you haven't done while you're here. That'd be a okay. lot of fun. That's awesome. I'm curious, Bobby, what's your relationship like these days with like Lynn and Robin? I know you said you and Allison are still close friends. What's that relationship like between all those women who were competing back in the day and, you know, really setting the stage for uh, women in competition today? Like we saw, you know, there were the Anna Store and um, Yanya Garnbrett nowadays and Jane Kim and you know, all these women who have this storied history in competition. I think it was you and and Allison and Lynn and Robin and Shelly who kind of set the stage for Katie Brown and then these other women. So yeah, what's Beth the relationship Rodney. with those women like? Yeah, Beth. Um, I, we're all tight. Like we all we're we're all good friends to this day, which is really cool. Yeah. Do you do you climb with them in the gym at all? Do you get outside with them? Um, I definitely climb with Robin sometimes, Lynn. Also, not too much with the others because they're, we're all in different places. Yeah. But yeah, Shelly's in Hawaii or Australia. I don't know. But I mean, if we're all together, it's super fun. Like really great relationships still to this day. Totally. I haven't been to OR in a couple of years. But I, if I could organize a photo of all of those women crushers from back in the day who, who were at OR to get together for a photo, I would go to OR just for that, even though I hate the hall <laughs> walking social overload that happens every time I go. Yeah, that would be fun. Let's do yeah, it. Let's totally. try to do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, Bobby, anytime I'm talking with climbers who lament getting older and having to hang up their hard climbing, you know, I point to you and I point to Lynn and you're an inspiration for letting us know that we can continue to do it and continue to crush things as we get older. So thank you for providing that motivation and inspiration for the last, you know, 30 plus years. And Thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat about the 90s. I, I appreciate it so much. Oh, it was so fun to reconnect with you. And I can't wait to see you and bring you some darn tough socks. Oh, I can't wait. And have you take me climbing. One, two. Written in Stone is produced by me, 
Chris Hampton, with help from Riley Rush and Emily Holland for Plug Tone Audio, a group of the best, most impactful podcasts in the outdoor industry. The link in your show notes, you'll find all the things you expect, and probably some you don't, including a photo of that climbing magazine cover on which Bobby is trying harder than you've ever tried, and maybe even a way to hear the acapella verse that I mentioned. And look, the show is 100% rooted in the facts, but like Todd Skinner always said, Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. If you love what you're hearing, give us those five stars and a glowing review and tell everyone you know at the crag, at the gym, at those social functions where climbers can only talk about climbing and together we can tell the stories of climbing's most important ascents one decade at a time. What is up, Secret Stoners? It has been a crazy busy week over here. We've got a lot of cool things happening. But before we jump into those, I want to say first, big shout out to Matt, our newest legend supporter. I appreciate you. And also to William, who is supporting. Man, it means a lot to me that people are willing to just give support, even though there's not a bunch of free things coming for them. However, I did just create, and I mean just, like within the last hour, just create the Patron uh, Secret Stoners Club podcast feed. That's where all of the bonus materials are going from now on, and there's already something over there for you. If you're listening to this episode, Bobby and I talked in this episode about an acapella rap that I did for her when we first met and that I would try and get that out um, so that everyone could hear it, and that's where I put it, in the Patron podcast, the Secret Stoners Club podcast. You can get that on Patreon. You can also get it on Spotify. Just search Secret Stoners Club. It's in there. Uh, if you are a legend supporter, you can go into my memberships. That's at the three little dots in your mobile or it should be in your menu on desktop. And you'll get a, a link to an RSS feed there that is your private link. And you can paste that into pretty much any podcast app and it will work. And there's more coming there. Lots more, actually. I promised you last week that there would be four episodes this week. I lied. Well, I didn't entirely lie. We did have four episodes originally, but Emily and I talked and I have a big episode I'm working on and it's taking me longer than I expected it would. So we're splitting this up. Two episodes this week, um, two episodes next week, one of which will be in the patron feed. It will only have a short excerpt from it on the regular feed, and you'll see why when we get there. Next episode coming this week um, is, is one I found really interesting, and I really wanted to have a conversation with this person. She was a Yosemite local who was the first black woman to climb El Capitan. And I think that's an example of representation that there's not enough of in the climbing world. So I really wanted to 
shine a spotlight on her um, for an episode. So that's coming in just a couple of days for you all. We also, like I said, lots of cool things coming this week. We also ordered some special things from Tension just for uh, the Written in Stone fans, and we're going to be doing a big giveaway very soon. Uh, We'll have our own giveaway right here in the Secret Stoners Club as well, so stay tuned for those things coming soon. I'm being really vague. Am I always this vague in here? I don't even know. Uh, I actually tried to look back at notes earlier to see what I talked about the last time, but I don't really keep good notes on these. I'm just talking to you all. You know, thanks for listening. It's really fun doing a scripted show, but I look forward every Sunday to recording these Secret Stoners Clubs because I just get to talk to you all. All right, I'm going to stop talking now. I'm just rambling. So many cool things coming. Thank you all for being here. I'll see you Wednesday.